DW Africa Link Liberia will head for a presidential runoff between incumbent President George Ware and opponent Joseph Bokai as official provisional results released on Tuesday this week placed them neck and neck. There is a lot at stake ahead of the runoff, from voters' demands and preparedness of the Electoral Commission, among others. Welcome to the Story of the Week. I'm Isaac Mugabe in Bonn. And I am Isaac Kaleji in Accra, Ghana. We welcome your comments on our Facebook page, DW Africa. But first, the world news in brief. DW News. Good day. I'm Sertan Sanderson with the news. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres visited the Egyptian side of the Rafah border crossing with Gaza earlier on Friday. He urged for progress on the humanitarian mission to deliver aid to the besieged Palestinian territory, which has been piling up at the border. Food, medicine, fuel and other aid deliveries have not started yet, with Israel vowing to allow only limited humanitarian aid and only as long as they don't fall into the hands of Hamas. DW's Lara Babalola has more. The United Nations says more than 2 million face dehydration and waterborne diseases. As Gaza runs dry, many have no other option than to drink contaminated water. In the south, Gazans waited for hours to buy fuel. The population here has swelled after hundreds of thousands fled from northern Gaza. In neighboring Egypt at the Rafah border crossing, trucks are waiting for the green light to enter Gaza and deliver the desperately needed aid. The UN said it expects the first aid delivery into Gaza across the border crossing with Egypt to start in the next day or so. However, United Nations aid chief Martin Griffiths believes it might not be enough. We urgently need a mechanism agreed by all relevant parties to allow for the regular provision of emergency needs throughout Gaza. Israel had cut off the Gaza Strip after the militant group launched a major terror attack on southern Israel on October 7th, in which at least 1,400 people in total were killed. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry meanwhile reported that over 4,100 Palestinians had been killed in Israeli airstrikes. The news bulletin on Africa Link is brought to you by DW, Germany's international broadcaster. The military rulers of Niger claim they foiled an escape attempt by ousted President Mohamed Bazoum, who has been under house arrest since the coup on July 26. They referred to the alleged events as an attempt to, quote, destabilize the country, adding that the president was accompanied by his family, two cooks, and two members of his security detail during the escape attempt. However, the reports have not been independently verified. Last month, Bazoum's legal team had filed a legal case with ECOWAS against those responsible for his ouster, stating the intention to bring the case before the UN Human Rights Council. In Sudan, the paramilitary rapid support forces claim to have taken the East Darfur state entirely under their control. East Darfur was the least affected of the five states in the Darfur region by the fighting between the RSF and the Sudanese army since clashes first erupted in April. And finally, Elon Musk announced that his social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, will soon launch two new tiers of premium subscriptions. In a post, Musk said that one will be lower cost with all features but no reduction in ads, while the other will be more expensive but without ads. 
However, since taking over the social network a year ago, changes to the platform have allowed misinformation to thrive, according to activists and watchdog groups. And that wraps up today's news. I'm Sertan Sanderson. You are now listening to Africa Link's Story of the Week that will focus on Liberia's election and the presidential runoff expected on November 7th. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And co-producing this special edition, my name is Isaac Kanleji in Accra, Ghana. Welcome to the show. With votes counted from all polling stations in Liberia's presidential election, George Weah, a former international footballer who's running for a second term, garnered 43.79%, while former Vice President Joseph Boakai, aged 78, won 43.49%. That's according to the National Electoral Commission. None of the 18 other presidential candidates received more than 3% in the first round of voting in Liberia. The election is the first to be held since the United Nations ended its peacekeeping mission in Liberia in 2018. Observers from the African Union, the European Union and the West African Economic Bloc ECOWAS gave Liberia's election a clean bill of health, and so were the ordinary Liberians. But before we hear from the Liberians themselves, let's hear what the observers said, starting with Atahiri Jega, the head of the ECOWAS Electoral Observation Mission, then Pumzile Gloria Mlambo, head of the African Union Observer Mission, and lastly, Andreas Shida, the head of the European Union Observer Mission. The mission notes that the polling process generally proceeded smoothly and in a largely peaceful atmosphere and eligible voters were able to freely participate in the process, even though the long queues, congestions at the voting precinct, and the slow pace of the process led to some grumbling and agitation by voters. Overall, the mission notes that the librarians were able to freely exercise their constitutional rights in, a, in peaceful elections and therefore implores all aggrieved parties to use the existing election dispute resolution mechanisms to address their grievances and to do so within the provided timeframes and condition in order for Liberia to continue to improve its electoral process. The electoral day showed Liberians' democratic commitment and was positively assessed by the EU election observation mission observers, but, but high turnout, cumbersome procedures and the implementation slowed the conducting of the polls. Those were observers from the EU, ECOWAS and the African Union. Some Liberians also said the election was largely free and fair. This four uh, election, it was transparent. Yeah, it was competitive between the CDC and Unity Party. The momentum that we saw in the first round when they see in the runoff, what are, they will come in and see momentum for the runoff. It will be competitive, but someone must win. My name is Peter K. Flomo. For the ruling party, I want to first of all appreciate that. And going to the second round, I believe they are also standing tall to see how best they can be able to convince librarians to support them. And my advice to them is that we should stay away from violence and be able to preach the right message for Liberian to follow and be able to select their leaders. Liberian will still go to the pool to vote their leader because if you look at the current situation, you either go for or you go against. You either go for the ruling party or you go for the opposition. 
it's going to be a tough election. Nobody should take it for granted. The only thing, we pray for peace. The second one, it will be um, a bit better because we don't have too many candidates in the race. Now, George Weah rode into power six years ago in the first democratic transfer of power in Liberia since the end of the civil wars amid high hopes brought by his promise to fight poverty and star infrastructure development in Africa's oldest republic. His goal, he had said in 2017, was to push Liberia from a low-income country to a middle-income one. However, Liberians are not happy with his governance. We want roads. Yeah, yeah. We want roads. We need roads to get to our hometowns. People want to take their produce to town. I come from Grand Cru, but there is no road. People want to bring plantain and idus, but there is no road. We want the road to be paved so that we can go to our hometown. Peace is really important for our lives as young people. We need a better life to go to school because some of us were born during the wars and our parents experienced war. As for us, we don't want to experience war anymore. So we just pray for the right leader and a good Liberia. They come and tell us that they are going to bring a lot of development and stuff, but most of them don't fulfill their promises and they disappoint us and at the end of the day, they call us a loud minority. So we just pray to God that we get a good leader, that's all, because most of them like to use us that they will do this and that and at the end of the day, when they are elected, they do nothing. Opposition supporters in the capital Monrovia who spoke to DW are buoyed that their candidate will eject Wea's political group, the Coalition for Democratic Change, CDC, from the seat of power because his government is perceived by many to have performed below expectations, especially in the management of the economy, which contracted in two of the six years he has been in power with the rate of economic growth in decline since 2021. CDC cannot intimidate us. Although they have all of the resources, they have money, right, baby government cars, printing the best of t-shirts, they cannot beat us. It's going to beat them come second round. And it's going to be a wild magic. I believe that everything will change. Things will be okay. So that Liberia can have a better life. Better education, better life, better food, better everything. NGOs, they're going to come to this country. But if Joe will become president, there will be no NGO because you can see, check around, there's no NGO. All NGOs have gone. Now, former vice president and also opposition leader Joseph Boakai has pledged to restore the country's image, develop infrastructure, and improve life for the poorest. We will build on the institutional gains made on Oman and Salif to improve the lives of our people. We will build a new institution where necessary to protect rights and foster inclusion among all our people. Abe Plaki, the spokesperson of Bwakai Party, spoke to our correspondent in the capital Monrovia, Evelyn Pade, on the plans the opposition has for Liberia. This is a victory for us. Since Liberia was funded, no opposition went to went into an election with uh, a ruling establishment and got 40 or more than 40 percent of the vote what would be your message our message is simple we remain with rescue but it's about the lives of the people we're going down there to tell the people that their life must change 
Yes, we've spoken about corruption. It is not off the hook. So we're carrying a renewed sense of direction. When you look in the street, you, you see destitution. You go in a community, you see hardship, pain, agony, suffering. If we bring back Mr. Weir, there will be more extrajudicial killings. Worst of all, there will be economic decadence. There will be stealing, public stealing, and there will be attacks. Everything will go back. No investment in the country. Bad governance is going to increase. Rule of law will not be upheld. We saw what is happening around here with uh, the different institutions. Yeah, what we experience will crack triple. So we are calling on the Liberian people. Let's think Liberia, love Liberia, and build Liberia, and rescue it from Mr. Weir and his economic vampires. How fierce do you think the first round was? How can you describe the first round? The first round was strange. Up to now, Academician statisticians, Liberians, are wondering. There was a clear 1-1 victory. But in our opinion, votes were manipulated. How they were manipulated, we don't know. But the same vigor that brought the votes, the people, the Liberian people are ready. You go on the social media, the testimonies are there. You go in the communities, you enter the taxes, you go in the marketplaces, you go to the church, you go in the street corners, you go to the different university campus and high schools. The people are discussing that we're coming back. Everyone is ready and we are moving with force. It's going to be a catastrophic and a volcanic eruption. On the part of George Weir, he's not going to survive because the people have rejected him. This second round may require a lot of resources. How prepares the unity party? The Liberian people are angry. They felt that they were robbed of their vote. So whether money, no money, people going to, going to volunteer, even myself going to be a poor washer. We are not going to leave it. What happened will not be repeated. So the Liberian people are going into it voluntarily. They are donating and they will walk because this is the life and the future of this country. That was Abel Plaki, the spokesperson of Bokai's Unity Party. In a moment, my co-host and producer of this story of the week, Isaac Kalechi, will be speaking to an analyst to break down for us what is at stake ahead of the runoff. And we shall wind up the show with a message from the chairperson of Liberia's Electoral Commission. But before that, let's balance up the act and listen to Kanyo Bai, the spokesperson of the ruling coalition of Democratic Change CDC of George Ware. If you look at the current results, at least you will see that His Excellency Dr. George Manning, we are maintained a lead after all of the tallying that have been done thus far. In addition, if you look across the 15 counties, he is the only presidential candidate that has gotten above 20% in each of those counties, which to me and to those of us on the campaign demonstrate mass appeal as opposed to others who will get certain numbers in other counties but will not be able to even raise up to 11 or 12%. The support for the president is not resident in just a single region or a single county. And so we are excited about uh, the next steps in these elections. We run a very issue-based campaign about what the president has done, his record. I think that has resonated. I think we've outclassed him at every level in terms of road construction, in terms of uh, revolutionizing education. Uh, the more people we've put to college, more students we've given opportunities to learn at school, we've done exceedingly well. The president, His Excellency Dr. George Manawia, has done exceedingly well. And so our message remains the same. So what I can say is that we are upbeat, we're confident, and we look forward to a free, fair process where the president, of course, will get a renewed mandate. 
the gap seems very narrow between the ruling party and the new opposition. What is it that you're looking forward to for the second round? Well, we definitely, per the law, uh, in the second round is about who amasses the most votes, which is a demonstration of what the people want, the people will. And of course, we believe, even you know, to piggyback off my previous statement uh, about the mass appeal of the president across all of the 15 counties, we're very confident that even though there will be what I term as enclaves of voters who will vote based on certain things. But if we look at the president's development record in the country, we're very confident that we are going to far outstrip the opposition. Previous election, 2017, at which time Mr. Boakai and Mr. Weah went for a runoff, he won Boakai with over 60% of the vote. What is the CDC anticipating doing the second round? We anticipate no less. You know, when there's a crowded field, and you go into a first round, you see that sometimes there are questions of certain kinds of competition. But when it's narrowed down, when the people are faced with the option of deciding who really should lead us, then it becomes clearer. And we are under no illusions that, yes, you know, there's going to be a tough fight, but ultimately we know we'll triumph. We'll get the requisite votes that are required to renew the president's mandate, and we'll do exceedingly well. Now... Even though observers from the EU, the African Union and ECOWAS stamped Liberia's elections, there were challenges. So I spoke to Abdallah Kaitamba, who is a political analyst, on what to expect during the runoff and the challenges like the delay of results. There were a lot of challenges, of some sporadic violence, and I think to some extent there are a lot of questions about the releasing of the results. Numbers of a 2.7 million people registered to vote. There are countries with, with 20, 30 millions that get the results early. So it was a question of whether the process was free. But I think to a large extent, it was generally free and fair. There were some instances of questions around tallying, representations at the polls. So generally, it's good. But the number of invalid ballots were too much, about 114 to 15,000 invalid ballots. So that raises the questions about voter education. So I think those are lessons that were learned. And will you say that comparing the elections that took place in Liberia to those taking place or that have taken place in the South region, um, this particular election actually saw Liberia up its game? Yeah, well, I think in terms of less contest and challenge to the results. I think Labro did up at games, an upgraded version. And I think the turnout is a remarkable statement voters were making that they're more interested in the future and their vote matter. And that Labro, the experiment in democracy after a civil war is evolving, is working, is maturing. And I think it is the clearest and loudest message that although it's a highly illiterate society, but people's investment in the democracy is growing and is people are resolved and determined to make sure the experiment in post-war democracy in Liberia is working. So I think on that count, I think they're up their game and have upgraded um, their participation. Let's not talk about the election results. I mean, are you surprised that uh, this is the second time these two rivals are going head to head and we've not had anyone win outright except to go for a runoff? 
Yeah, obviously. Look, the ruling party got for the three percent. So fifty-seven percent of the country rejected the ruling party. So that is a statement. It means the president will reject it. Now, Joseph Buakai uh, has performed better than the last time because I think a lot of folks see him as a vessel through which they can channel their anger and disillusionment with the ruling elites. So the urban centers are the first who are, who are more energized, who are more informed, who are more engaged in the policies of the country. But ultimately, it is clear that President Weah will do well in some counties in the South, generally. He has about 70% turnout in the South. So I think it will also have some major tribal elements in deciding the ultimate results and the outcome of the elections. But I think this, this is competitive. The fact that a populist president will face the kind of challenge for an aging man says something that is very uh, profound. Everybody thought the president was going to win, and then it's a huge, massive challenge from a man who was under-resourced, actually. So there's a resource disparity. The ruling party has huge resources, huge logistics. And against a party or an opposition that is broke, that is poor, that is crumbling for resources to stay afloat. So it's, it says a lot. And still on the election results, what does it say about President U.S. tenure as president of Liberia? You think this is a verdict on his presidency? One is he managed to sustain some of his, his bases. President Wilson rode on a populist wave to power. And it was, he was seeing that as a messianic figure who would transform the country, who was not connected to historical corruptions, the broken dysfunction and bureaucracy that works for the privileged few and left out the majority of those who were marginalized. And he was also from those poor communities. He's a, he's a product of the filth system. Poor communities came from a very poor background. His soccer career propelled him to national international theme. And they saw him as the guy who was a clean guy, was going to change things. But his, his government was riddled with corruption, missteps, um, some self-inflicted. And so he became unpopular to some extent, to a large extent. His popularity has significantly dropped. If not, he would have won on the first ballot. But because of some of the missteps by his officials, and then there was a huge, massive defeat of the ruling party in the midterm elections. Let's talk about messaging. In this election, was messaging a key element of what decided how people voted? I think this, this campaign was not driven or propelled by messaging, honestly. There was no competition of ideas. I had a blueprint for expanding the economy, from lifting people from poverty, from addressing corruption, from, from investing in education and, and health, from addressing some of the external shock from COVID-19. None of that was highlighted. So people were basically, this is a personality-driven election. And it was those against George Weah, those for George Weah. No one supporting Barkai were convinced of Barkai blueprint for the economy. They did not care for that. They wanted George Weah out. They supported George Weah. Those who are supporting Joshua felt these guys are coming back in power. They want to come back to power and engage in plunder and pillage of the resources who stand with Joshua. So this was the kind of battle. And then you have a regional involvement. You have a vice president for Barkai from a vote-rich region. They saw that as their chance for the first time to become vice president and ultimately to come to the seat of power. Did you expect the trend to remain the same going to the, the runoff? I think there will be changes. I think 
I think, President, we are, what he did not do in the first one was to say, look, look, you, you are frustrated with a lot of some of the missteps, some of the failures, some of the setbacks. Look, next time going to be different. We will invest in this. We cut down uh, discretionary spending, traveling of government officials that a lot of people are concerned about. We'll invest that into education. We'll expand our investment in our health systems. We will introduce free primary education. He's not making any new promises because they have told him, you have accomplished, you have you've done the best thing possible, his team has told him. And so he's in that bubble. Well, if he makes new promises, then he's, he's, he's admitting that things were not right. And so they kept it that way. So I do not see any new promises. What I do see will be a massive power sharing, constructing new alliances. Some parties will be offered role in the government, maybe money to make change. And Barkai Prado will say, look, because what happened, most of the senators that won, they were anti-government senators. They won in really vote-rich areas. So there are about 10, of, 10 senators that actually won in a very populated area, and they are not supporting the government. So those will affect the government changes in the second round. Take, for example, voters were, were, were filling the ballots with about 30 representatives, about 20 senators, and then about 20 presidential candidates. They will not have all of that. They got two choices. Basically, George Weah, Boakai. So the time, there'll be less complications, less distraction, and they'll have an easier way to vote. All is needed is if you got a 10% in a particular county, you got to increase that number to maybe 10% because there'll be no new vote for new area. And about 20% of the country did not vote, registered voters. You just need to make sure you turn out huge numbers of voters to the polls. So those will be the meeting. I think it'll be the mechanics of the elections more than a new messaging. What will shock you about the results in terms of the runoff? That's a really profound question. I think what will shock me is... If anybody wins about 60% of the vote, because it's so competitive, it will be so difficult. 60% beyond the 50% mark. The other thing that will shock me is um, candidates actually go below the number they earn in the first round. If they go below below that number, it will be a huge disaster. It will be a spectacular disaster. Those things will shock me. And what will also shock me if the trend is lower than the first round, that will be shocking. It means people have lost interest. It means people, there's a voter fatigue that like, we've voted and we're not coming back. And then these are the only shockers, I think. What do you expect when it comes to the election itself, the runoff? Uh, any admonishment to um, the Electoral Commission in the conduct of the runoff? I think, no, the Electoral Commission needs to, to accelerate the process. They have too many loopholes, too many vulnerabilities that they did not address. They, they, they're not communicating well. They're not preparing the, the public well to, to, to address. So they're incentivizing conspiracy theories around their work. And there are a lot of incompetence they need to address. Uh, some simple things are being complex and get complicated. But I hope that it will be peaceful. But there'll be, the anxiety will be high. The passion and intensity of passion will be very high in the second round. Because each one of those parties will, will, will see themselves the ruling party will see losing power would mean losing everything in Africa, especially in Liberia. People tend to go after their properties. They will lose their privilege. They will be marginalized. They will be trial and they'll be exposed to the worst hate and resentment in the country. There'll be social isolation. And for the, for the opposition party, they will think we come close to power. And anybody that tries to, to temper with our votes, um, 
will will resist. And if the election commission is not careful, they could provoke a mass unrest. This election is one of the most tense, and there's an undercurrent of tension that is boiling below the surface. And if it comes, it will be massive. And the triggers for conflict exist here. Too many young people who are are battle-tested are still here, and they're waiting for opportunity to exploit, and they could be used by any side. And the extremists on both sides, the leaders are not trying to reduce tension. In fact, some of the leaders are are engaging in incendiary rhetorics that basically give the impression that, you know, those extremists on both sides can begin to act on them. And I think it's important, the leaders, the elections commission, the media have an important role to reduce tension and to avoid the worst case scenario. Because these things, these triggers exist in Liberia. Everything you need for, for tension and conflict exists. Someone just needs to spark it. And what you say, what you do can fuel to the fire or can substantially reduce tension. I was speaking to Abdallah Kaitamba, who is a political analyst on the Liberian runoff of the presidential election. Thanks, Kalechi. And now it's time to listen to Davideta Brown Lansana, the president of the Electoral Commission of Liberia, explaining why there were delays in releasing results and warning about an authorized announcement of results. When you have candidates uh, come out to announce their own results, I think that is troubling. And this is why we say uh, this should be considered as fake news. Only when the National Elections Commission announces a result can those results be uh, the actual results. I think the anxiety uh, to cast one's vote probably must have led to uh, the kind of, of agitation you know, uh, that happened at these various polling centers. And that was the story of the week. On behalf of the production crew, Celestine Wasike, Isaac Kalechi Nakra, and the rest of the Africa Link team, I'm Isaac Mugabe wishing you a splendid weekend ahead. And until next time, bye for now. BW. Made for Minds.